Every week we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Today we have Monica Quimby, who was a member of the first World Championship women's sled hockey team, which was this summer. She's a coordinator at Backbones, a former professor. Uh, you know, she does a lot of things. She actually broke her back. This is kind of amazing in her 30th backflip of the day on skis. So 30, I guess, is not a lucky number for you, Monica. Welcome. Please, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Chris. This is awesome. So this is this is a big deal the 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 sled hockey world championships because sled hockey is a weird sport right in that it's a male sport but there is an accommodation at the paralympics that there is a slot for one woman to be on the team to actually increase the size of the roster if a woman made the team but it's never happened right correct and there have been women that have been at that caliber that would be able to make that team. Uh, both Erica and Kelsey, they're two of the, the women's team members right now. And they're an incredible, they're incredible players, they're incredible forces. They both made the men's development teams and they never got pulled up to full roster and they really should have. How important then is this world championships? I mean, one, you guys won, you beat Canada. It seems like, seems like this is the way that things go in hockey, Olympic, Paralympic, men, women, et cetera, et cetera. How important was this step in creating a potential slot in the Paralympics for the women on the para hockey side? Yeah, this IPC sanctioned world was paramount. We needed to be able to have this sanctioned event so that we were able to move forward. We're able to, you know, grow the game. That's the biggest thing right now is to grow the game both nationally and internationally. So that we can have these fully formed teams so we can have some great competition. Uh, we have had some informal uh, world championships and world cups pr prior to this. We've had two of them, but this is the first one that has been official. That is beneficial. What do you need to do? What are the hurdles that you need to, to jump before you can get to the Paralympic Games? Because it's a number of countries, right? Correct. Number of participants. Yeah. Is it a certain number of years of, of, of competition or how does it all work? Yeah, so the biggest thing right now is we have to have at least three different countries represented in eight full teams. So that is the biggest, biggest hurdle that we have right now is developing those international teams. And so right now there's like, it, it's not a four year track, it's an eight year track. But the exciting thing is we have a track now. You know, that's the biggest thing is that we're on that track. We have checked that first box. And we're on our way. Three countries, eight teams. Is that what you said? Yes. So, so for instance, for the U.S., you could have three continents. Two teams. Excuse me, three continents. I, I I misspoke. Oh, okay. Three continents. Three continents. Eight teams. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, you were checking my math as we were going. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I was, I misspoke. Okay. No, no. This is good. What was the what was the competition like? The competition was fantastic. I, I love that it was very much, everybody was coming together. It was a very inclusive vibe. We definitely made sure that we came and we we rooted on the other teams. We 
when it was Great Britain against Team World, we wanted to make sure that they knew that there were people in the stands that were supporting them. And, and that's what it's really about, is that support and showing that support to the other countries as well. And you came out of this and said, said it's been 10 years worth of work, but that's not really 10 years worth of work to win, right? This is 10 years worth of work to, to get there, to get the opportunity. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, to get to that first step. So the team was created 13 years ago. And so it's definitely been, it's been a huge um, what happened was the, our captain, Erica, our, her name was Mitchell, but now she's married to McKee. She's the one that created the team because that, that spot you were talking about, she wasn't, you know, given that spot, even though that was her spot, that was, that was definitely hers that she earned and that she should have been there. And so what they did is, you know, basically said, okay, create your own team. And that's exactly what she did. And she was the one that, you know, paved the way for the rest of us to really, you know, get into the sport. And a lot of us play on co-ed teams. Uh, sometimes they're co-ed because you're on it. Uh, that I'm, you know, that's a case in point with the team that I, my home team in Florida. And meaning that's that the it's, biggest it's thing. all male except for you. Correct. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you are the co-ed component. Okay. Yes, yeah, but definitely inviting more more female players to come and play and see how great this game is. And it's you know it's a team sport, so there's nothing better than having that camaraderie and you know having that community, that sense of community, as you know, uh, is huge when in the sport world. It is. So you had been a skier in college. We found out that you know had an accident doing backflips, so you're a good skier. And then went into paracanoe first, right? So paracanoe yeah. and then came from, and, and we're trying to recruit people in paracanoe from the hockey team and then got recruited backwards. Is that how it works? That you were trying to recruit I them and they recruited you? I fell in love with hockey. I was like, oh, okay, it's full contact. Okay, this is a good time. This is, you know, this is a real sport, you know? And to me, in my, in my mind, a lot of the adaptive sports, I was having a hard time connecting to them and, you know, going from being uh, an athlete, an able-bodied athlete into being an adaptive athlete was definitely a change. It was a complete life change. And the best thing though, is that once an athlete, always an athlete. So if you know how to train, you know, how to eat right, you know, how to stay hydrated, those things can translate which was the best part. Cause I was like, okay, I know, I know how to train. Now I just need to learn the different sports, you know, and just diving headfirst in and going for it. Can you describe what a sled hockey sled is like? And, and obviously in Europe, they call it sledge hockey, right? So this is kind of the difference between bobsled and bobsleigh sometimes exactly the same thing, just a little different vernacular, but what, cause looking at it, it's kind of interesting that somebody came up with the idea of like, this is what we're going to do. And then we can play hockey. It makes sense now that you see it. But initially, I would imagine it sounded a little crazy. Absolutely. Because I'm like, okay, well, how does that work? Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the biggest thing is that it's different from stand up is that you have two cut off hockey sticks with ice picks on the bottom. 
And that's, that's, you know, you have to be able to be ambidextrous. You have to be able to use both hands when you're carrying the puck, when you're shooting the puck. Uh, that, that's a huge challenge in itself. But then actually sitting in the sled, you're kind of in a bucket. It's similar to mono skiing when you're in that bucket and it's molded to you. And you have these two little blades that are underneath you that are between, um, if you're a beginner, it's more like three inches apart. And then if you're, you know, if you're better, the, the more elite you go, it's like two inches, one inch, and then half an inch, and then they're practically touching. And so you're using a lot of that core strength. You really have to have that core strength and really strong shoulders in order to, to propel yourself on the ice. Yeah, your balance, as your balance gets better, they get closer so that you Correct. can be more maneuverable. You can, you can maneuver more quickly and then effectively be a better hockey player. Do you know how, do you know the origin story of, of how this, how, how this came about? Like who decided to take these hockey blades and put them on the bottom effectively of a seat and say, okay, we're going to push with our, with our, with our hands. I mean, which, I mean, it kind of, it kind of makes sense, but it also, I, you know, I, I wonder sort of the first person who did it, like what it was like that you get in and go, okay, I feel like I'm going to go over to the left, over to the right, backwards, maybe not forwards as much. You might be able to, might be okay that way, but there are like three different planes that you're going backwards and forwards. That it seems like it, it seems like it could be really hard. And especially if nobody's done it, if you don't see somebody who's doing it and thinking, okay, okay, I see that they can do it. I'm not very good right now, but I see that they can do it. But if you get into the first time and think, this seems like a really bad idea. This seems like a good way to hurt myself. Do you have, do you, have you heard any of the stories, any of the origin stories? Am I bringing you down a rabbit hole that is, unfor <laughs> is unfair? No, that's okay. Um, so the biggest thing that, that I do know from the beginning is that there are more people that were paralyzed, right? So a lot of more people from the spinal cord injury community that did this sport in the beginning. And, and now it's evolved, right? And now it's a lot of people that are amputees because what happens is that with, with my bucket, for example, because I have a spinal cord injury, my legs go out in front of me, right? So I have a, a lot bigger turning radius. I have to really like get those legs around and depending on you, if you're a complete or an incomplete injury, it also depends on how much you know, maneuverability you have. And so, and then people that are amputees, I mean, they can just turn on a dime. You know, we have some players that they literally spin like a top. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that can be a huge advantage because they can be a lot faster. That turning radius is quicker. And um, you'll notice both on the men's and the women's team that there's a lot of amputees that, that are on the team. There are a lot of amputees and this is different than like basketball or quad rugby where you have a point system and you have a certain number of higher level, you know, so, so higher, even higher level paraplegics that have to be on the court at a time in basketball. Whereas, whereas in hockey, there's not a point system. So you can put all of your best players on the ice at the same time. Is that right? Yes. The one rule for sled hockey is that you can't skate upright, right? So you have some type of, um, you know, impingement to, to not be able to, to skate upright. And it, there is no, there's no ranking system or anything like that at this time. And so, yeah, you can be against somebody that, you know, is a lot more mobile than you are. 
Um, but yeah, you just got to work twice as hard, you know, get it. <laughs> work twice as hard and, and figure out those, those angles and be, be more strategic possibly. Working twice as hard seems like something that comes pretty naturally to you. Can you tell us what the, you know, what, what do you have for post-its going on hanging around your, your house right now? How did you know? <laughs> yes, I have a lot of post-its. They're all over. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing is that you have to have that. I'm really trying to push women in sport, women in adaptive sport. So that's one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now. And, you know, we really, that's the way that we're going to be able to grow the game, right? Um, both internationally and, and nationally. And I think that it's so important coming from, you know, a female, a disabled athlete, because that's, that's who you want to hear it from. That's who, that's who you want to, okay, like if she can do it, I can do it. And I love doing clinics. Like that's another big thing I love doing too. I do a lot of clinics um, in the state of Florida and that's, that's the, the best way is to get in a sled or to do the adaptive sport days. I really encourage people to go to those all adaptive sports days and try something. Just try something. You never know. And you're probably really going to enjoy it. You're going to have fun. One way or another, you're going to laugh. You're going to have fun. And you're going to meet a whole community of people that, you know, are interconnected to a bunch of different things. Now, are those all the same color post-it? That, that you, you all the things that you mentioned because it's basically promoting the sport promoting women in the sport getting started in the sport is, is that the same color because because you have a five-year plan don't you and broken down into into post-its I do you're telling everybody in my world here <laughs> I love it though that's great I do yeah I love my post-its and stuff um I definitely yellow yellow is for work stuff blue is for uh for sport and pink is for, yeah. So there's basically, there is, there's a system to it. And, you know, I, that's what, I love it because a post-it, you can not only, you can crush it off, but you can also crumple it up, you can throw it away. Um, they're nice and bright and vibrant. They stick on things. <laughs> Where do you want to be in five years? What's the plan? Definitely be an established motivational speaker um, in the, in the works of starting to write a book, which is such a fun experience. I'm really enjoying that and diving right in and, you know, really being able to bring my experiences of what I've done in life, in sport, in my career, et cetera, to really help other people, you know, move forward and to not see things like uh, a spinal cord injury or even a divorce or anything like that as something that is a roadblock. It's something that might be, I call it the pause. So it might give you that pause, but it's also that time to reflect, decide where you want to go and move forward. Well, and, and also 10 years to get in some ways to the first step of becoming a Paralympic sport too. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is, is to that gold medal on that podium with my ladies. I mean, that is the ultimate goal that, you know, that's working towards that is it's, already been such a fun journey uh, in the last year, eight years on the women's team, especially this last year. I can't wait to see where it goes. The talent that we have coming up is, is incredible. That is the best part. These, these young uh, girls and women that are coming up that are making the sport even more fun and they're faster. I mean, we have one, one girl, Madeline Gallagher. She was incredible, 15 years old, and she ended up getting a hat trick. I mean, that's, 
that's what you want to see, right? That's exactly what you want when you want to grow the game. So it's very exciting. And looking at it with an eight-year plan, how much of a challenge is it for somebody like you to then add eight years to the current age and think, okay, we might be there. Can I still be there? Where do you where do you see that and what do you have to do in, in order to be there as part of the game? You got to double down. You have to work twice as hard. That's what I, you know, that's my thing is that it's that grit, right? That grit, that heart. It's something that you got to, you got to want it. I mean, I played on four different teams last year. I played on USA, Florida, a Maryland team and a Connecticut team and um, in multiple leagues. And that that's the thing is you have to get on the ice. You have to get on the ice. You have to be on the ice with play, players that are, are better than you. That's really what pushes you forward is, you know, be on there with, with people from the, um, from the women's team, from the men's team, from the men's development team, you know, that's how you really become your best self. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. Cause I mean, we did, and I, and I'm not saying this tongue in cheek by any means with the, with the post-its, I think it's a great thing. I mean, the sense of reminders and being, being uh, being organized in terms of inter- and compartmentalized in some ways in terms of sport, business, et cetera, et cetera. How big a deal is journaling in your life? And what goes into a journal entry? If I'm, I mean, if it's too personal, please don't tell us, but, uh, but, but what goes into a journal entry? Yeah, journaling is very important to me. I've done it ever since ever since I was a kid. I was six or seven years old when I started. It's definitely evolved now. It's it starts always. I do it in the morning. I have my coffee. I do my affirmations, and then I journal. Um, I love to start with gratitude. You have to start with gratitude. It's three things I'm grateful for, and something that I'm proud of that I did in the last 24 hours. I think that that's so important. You know, is to uh, give you yourself that self-recognition. Like I'm proud of myself for this, and this is what I need to work on. I put that in there as well, um, because I think it's really, really important to have that self-reflection. And sometimes I kind of just give myself a try to write three pages, and sometimes I'll look up prompts or I'll just let my mind go. And that's sometimes where I'll get like my best ideas and best projects and things to, you know, create, you know, that playing in nature and being creative and, you know. How much, how much detail, I mean, you talk about three pages, right? So you go into a fair amount of detail because it's, it's easy enough sometimes to talk about something that you did that, that worked out well, you know, that mm-hmm. something that was good, but are you going into the smell, the feel, the, you know, trying to trying to be able to elicit because the hope is that you can get back to that place, right? Mm, Later absolutely. on, the, right. Yeah. The more detail, the better, and that's the biggest thing is that you want to exactly you want to be able to take yourself back to that moment. Like you know, I want to remember that moment of having them put a gold medal around your neck, feeling the cold medal against your chest. You know, seeing it reflecting as they're raising the flag. And you're just, I mean, that elation, you know, of pride and just representing your country is one of those feelings that I never want to forget. So yeah, that that was definitely one of my most detailed ones. And just singing the national anthem with my teammates 
we're all like crying. We're all like, you know, just so excited. And we finally made it. And just that, that moment, it was incredible. Did you think that you would ever have USA across your chest? Like as a kid? Ooh, you're like, giving. <laughs> so, you know, the biggest thing was, you know, as a little kid, if you're an athlete, the, you want to either go pro or you want to be on Team USA or both, right? So those are the ultimate goals. And you, you hear all these things as you're growing up, only 4% are going to make it, only this many are going to make it, that kind of thing. And there is no greater feeling than seeing a USA jersey hanging up in the locker room with your last name on the back and your number. And you know, like, like I earned it, like it was all worth it. Like it, all of that was worth it, you know, and everyone in that room, everyone in that locker room is part of that, you know, and that, that's, that's the biggest thing is that we're all as that team sport, you know, we're all team USA. All team USA. And obviously you went through a few twists and turns to get to the point where you had USA, you had that hanging on the wall. Your number 16? Yes. Is there significance in number 16 for you? Yeah, 16 is, uh, so my birthday was June 16th and I've always picked that number. I've loved that number ever since I've been growing up. That's the one I would pick. And it's, it's definitely, it's always been a lucky number for me. So June 16th, am I right on this? That makes you a Gemini, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so these are the twins, aren't they? Yes. Absolutely. So are you, are you, are, are you a twin? Do you have, do you have sort of your alter ego as well? Yeah, I, th I think we all do, right? We all have those two sides of being very introspective and quiet. And then there's that, you know, external per like personality that you're, you're showing to the world. So I feel like, you know, I definitely have both of those for sure. You definitely have both of those well and and i would imagine in some other parts of your life as well so i was reading beforehand that you are the goon on the team which is you know a, a term of endearment really in hockey right so, <laughs> so you're the goon but you also were miss wheelchair main as well yeah i mean that sounds like those sound like some twins to me right there yeah yep that's pretty much it yep definitely uh the one that loves to check people and you know um push them out to the edge and like that like that's you know i really was i revel in being able to fulfill that role that's really like a fun role for me i love that on the team and and miss wheelchair yeah so i i started off um after i got paralyzed i really wanted that sense of community and before i got into adaptive sports and realizing, you know, this is definitely, you know, the right fit for me. I, I tried the Miss Wheelchair America. And, and honestly, I met a, a lot of great people that are doing amazing things for advocacy uh, for the disabled community. And I think that was the biggest thing that opened my eyes that, okay, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. There are other, other females that are, you know, they, they're having jobs and they have, you know, they have families and they're getting degrees and they're people of their community. And that was what I was like, wow, this is really something that I want to aspire to and to continue to grow. How does that pageant work? Is it the same as what we see, like the Miss America kind of thing on television? Is it the same kind of thing? Is it not? How does it, 
How does it work? No. And, and how did you how did you get into it? I mean, this is I, I heard what 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 it did for you, but yeah. I mean, was this was this an advertisement in the newspaper or was it on the bulletin board at the at the PT or how did it work? Found it on social media. I found it on Facebook um, in a one of the social groups at the time, and I wanted to meet people all, I got to meet people all over the country so that was the great thing is that I got to like instantly have this great group of people and all of these connections all over the country and I'm still really close with a lot of them and they have followed my endeavors and I have followed theirs uh, I've even hired them to do projects for, with me and stuff like that it's been really it's been really fun and it's mostly based on your advocacy. So it's your advocacy. It's your achievements. It's more achievement based. It's not on the, you know, the typical beauty pageant, like you have to be pretty. Um, it's not like that at all. It's more of what you can do. And instead of what you look like, instead of what you look like. So there's not the swimsuit. There's not the, the no. talent, the, I'm just imagining, you know, I'm just trying to, trying That's to see great. how these, uh, how this thing works because because I, right. I didn't know all that much I will about not be it. singing we'll put it that way what's that <laughs> karaoke I said I will not be singing maybe karaoke but no that would not be my chosen talent <laughs> good <laughs> I I share that one with you I, I would have to go to the lip sync I think if it were yeah I yeah I, I'm not sure what I would have for a talent if I needed a talent so juggling I don't know I don't know what I don't think I'm not good at juggler though so you know anyway we should you, just stick to sports I think <laughs> stick to sports well I mean right. <laughs> it, sticking to sports is kind of an interesting thing though too because you yeah. I mean you went through school mm -hmm. molecular biology yeah so molecular cellular developmental biology I specialized in genetics and I minored in biochemistry so, so it doesn't sound like you don't have any options is what I'm saying. You know, it's not, I mean, that's the, the, oh, I'll just go into sports and, but it does sound like, cause then you were, you were a professor, uh, twice over, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I also did research. I, that, that was one of the great things is that, uh, after I got paralyzed, I was able to go back and I continued my research. I did strawberry genetics. Um, I actually ended up getting published. Uh, Why did you do strawberry genetics? This is this is this is an important question. I chose strawberry genetics because I started picking strawberries when I was 14 as a kid, and that was my first job. I found it in the newspaper. I was so proud of myself. I circled it. I told my mom, I knew I need to go here, and uh, and yeah, that was my first job. And it was 10, 12-hour days. You know, six days a week in the summer and it was, it was brutal, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about perseverance and working hard. And because I was able to tell the difference between the different species of strawberries, when I was making up a biology lab, that so this was is back when you were when, 14, you were able to tell no, the different species? So no. at, at the uh, University of New Hampshire, I was making up a biology lab um, because I had missed one. I'm pretty sure because of skiing <laughs> and right. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to tell the difference between the different plants because of the Venetian. So like the, the way that the veins look on the leaves. 
and because it hadn't had any fruit or flower yet. And it really impressed the, you know, biology professor at the time and asked me if I wanted to start working in the greenhouse. So I started working in the greenhouse and then moved up into doing the, the genetics of it and mitochondrial DNA. And yeah, then my published paper was from the fields, the molecules. So tied it up with a nice little bow. <laughs> Where does that lead you? Where does that kind of research in strawberries lead you typically? Does that lead you into the food industry, into the farming industry, uh, into more research or how does it work? Yeah. So the, the great thing about genetics is it's plants, animals, people even, uh, genetics is very universal. So you can go in a lot of different directions with that background. Uh, what I was doing specifically was helping create a disease resistant strawberry. And so uh, I'm probably more go agricultural. Um, you can go, you know, the chemistry route or, you know, there's definitely, there's multiple options for sure. Multiple options. So which, which sounds like it's pretty similar to what you've done, where you've been leaving college, being a professor, going into canoeing, going into, into hockey. Is, it, and is, is hockey something that captures all of who you are you know, as, as an advocate, as, a, as an athlete? And, and when, did you, when did you realize that hockey was, was doing that? Wow, that's a great question. So hockey, it captured my heart. It captured the essence of, of who I am. And I absolutely love working with kids. So I do a lot of uh, clinics um, with pediatric hospitals, uh, wheelchair for kids. Like that's a organization that's near and dear to my heart. And that brings me so much joy. So much joy, like helping those younger younger kids like come up those younger athletes um from barely wanting to leave their parents side to to joining us in a team and trusting us and really you know becoming part of something that's that's where i literally i got the bug for it at first and then i i love competitive sports so i was super excited that they're like okay the ceiling is here i'm like all right let's go let's go so that was, you know, it was very exciting and, and having this platform to also, you know, for women in sports, it's, it's very all encompassing. And, and I love that I can, I can be a teacher. I can still be a teacher, a professor in a different way um, by helping the, the younger generation and to also, you know, getting the word out uh, for more women in adaptive sports. So do you have any heroes in this pursuit? I mean, we've seen a lot of like women's sport come into the forefront. Do you look at any in particular and say, I want to model what we're doing after what they're doing, what they did? I can't say it enough, but uh, Erica, she's our captain and she is, she's the backbone of the team. She is the person that she is a leader, true and true. She is the one that, you know, and I'm, I'm proud to call her one of my best friends as well. You know, I've gotten incredibly close with her and that, it's a sisterhood, you know, and, and I love that she is the leader that is always putting us in the right direction. She is always helping people out. She's, she's just an incredible person. And yeah, she's definitely the person that I'm so glad that she's the captain of this team and 
she'll always be the captain of this team. <laughs> so interesting. So so looking within the team as opposed to like, you know, the the women's soccer team, you know, like the the Mayhams, the Julie Foudies, the Megan, Megan Rapinoe, you know, these kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, but and also looking at like the the women's, you know, like the the Olympic hockey team as well. I mean, there have been some pretty some fairly prominent teams. Do you do you gain any any inspiration from what they've done? And then also, is there a sense of solidarity as well? I think the biggest thing too is to watch hockey. You know, watch hockey. It doesn't matter what if it's you know pro hockey, if it's sled hockey. It it needs to you need to watch hockey. You need to to watch the game. And actually, like my favorite to watch is college, like college or right before college you know, that U18, that U22, that group right there, that's like, they want it so bad. And like, they're so fun to watch because they are, you know, they have that grit. They definitely are putting in that extra time, the extra work. And that's how you're going to learn the different systems. That's how you're going to learn the game. That's how you're going to learn to get better is, is not only by playing hockey and giving it your all in practice, and in the game, but watching hockey as well. You have to know the game. You definitely have to know the game. And and how did you, how did you learn the game? Because you didn't grow up as a hockey player. Did you grow up watching hockey? So I grew up in Maine. I grew up in New England. So hockey is in your blood. And I went to UNH and UNH Wildcats. Like that's definitely, you know, hockey East, you know, <laughs> like the, the Frozen Four, you know, so I've definitely grew up watching hockey and and that was the big thing and yeah I just had to get on the ice and play did did that translate to playing in a sled is it is it the same kind of game and is it the same kind of speed or a similar kind of speed so the speed is a little bit different because we're pushing with our arms instead of with our legs right so it's definitely but you know there's definitely people that are comparable that are that are really fast and I think that that's one of the big things is that um, the sled equalizes everybody, right? So if you're sitting in a sled and you're propelling with your arms, that means everybody is, you're, you know, you're literally, even if you're able-bodied, you can try the sport because you're all going to be on an equal, you're going to know how it feels because you're sitting in a sled, you have your, your hockey sticks with the ice picks on the bottom and you're propelling yourself. And so that, I think that's, what's really cool when other, when families come out, or their friends come to join because they actually get to do it with them. You know, it's not, I'm in a sled and you're standing up. It's like, we're all in sleds and we're all learning and we're laughing and we're having fun. And, and that's, that's the best part about it. As the goon on the team, I'm assuming there's not a lot of, a lot of fighting going on, but, but the hitting part, the hitting part can be far more painful in a sled than as as the standing athlete because the boards will flex though being lower means that you're hitting getting hit into the boards at a point where it really doesn't flex where it's a whole lot more solid what does yep. that feel like <laughs> it it hurts <laughs> it hurts a lot i've actually broken the same foot three times um because the boards do not move at all um, you know, and it's, it's a very physical game. So, I mean, there's people that, you know, and the ice picks are super sharp. 
So you slice up hands and that's why you really got to make sure you wear a neck guard because that can happen. And you know, that there's, I've seen someone like break their clavicle. Like it's definitely, you know, a fully full contact sport. So, I mean, but that's, what's great about it is that it's the exact same rules as stand up hockey. So when you're watching it, you're watching hockey, right? But like, that's the coolest thing is that you're watching hockey. The only difference is that there's T-boning. So that's where you take the nose of the sled and you're, you're running it either into the side or into the back of another player. And you can't do that because that can, you know, severely injure the, the other player. And, you know, that's, that's not, that's the only one that's different. So. So it's shoulder to shoulder, but not using the sled as an implement to, 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 to hurt someone. Right. Yeah. So you're going to be checking right, right into them shoulder to shoulder. You can get right in there. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, keep fighting for the puck until the whistle blows. You got to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and it's just, it's so high energy and it's so much fun and the shifts are really quick. So not only do you have to have that longevity to get through the 45 minutes, the hour, you know, you also have to be able to do those super quick shifts. So you have to be able to do that 45 second to, to a minute 30. And as a sprint, you, you need to be able to sprint and have endurance and, and have the physicality. So I, I think it's a fantastic sport and, you know, there's a multitude of different things that are part, you know, components to, to make you the best player. What about the, the skill, the aesthetic of the sport? How does this work? Like the passing, the, the movement, the, the weave, the this, the that, you know, I mean, it's like, how much are you, are you getting and experiencing and how much have you seen the sport, the women's sport progress from what, from, from a handful of people at, at tryouts for the U S women's team to like 60 people at the tryouts. It's, it's incredible now. I mean, that, that's the thing is that there's so much competition. It's so fast and that you really have to have that agility, that skill, and the communication. I think the biggest thing too is that we had a main camp this summer. Um, one of my teammates, Gardner, she she put it on. She did an incredible job, and it was it was really amazing because we all got to stay in a lake house together, and we bonded. There were twelve girls in a lake house, <laughs> so uh, with one bathroom. <laughs> so right. <laughs> Um, but no, honestly, like that's how we were able to bond so closely. We had two a days every day. We were, you know, really getting super close and singing songs and it's that communication. It's making sure that you have not only that skill individually, but, and it's that communication. That's the biggest thing is having that chemistry, that communication with your teammates. That's what really makes you, you can tell how well we work together when we were playing that those gold medal games what do you mean by the communication what kind of communication is this in terms of location of where you are what's going what and, and are you the talker on the on the ice or is everybody talking or how does that work yeah everybody is talking I'm very loud <laughs> so I'm like did you hear me oh yeah we heard you we heard you um so I you know that's the biggest thing is that everybody is really um, making sure that they're you know, they're yelling for the puck, that they're getting into open ice, that we're cycling. I mean, we're just, we're able to really read each other at this point and really kind of know where you're going to go before you go there. And that is one of those things that is 
incredible when you get to that level on a team. Talking about the communication and the community that you have. And, and I think that there's, there's a real sense of ownership, right? Of this is, this is your sport. This is the direction that you want to go. You want to be in the Paralympics. What kind of coaching do you have? Basically the coaching that we have is very, um, I've had intense coaches when I first started, it was very intense. It was very much, uh, old school. And if you know what I mean by old school, it's, uh, you know, do another three laps, do another three laps, you know, and like you would just keep going to you basically throw up. Right. And I, I think that there's, there's definitely a place for that, especially in the beginning, because it taught me that endurance early on. And now uh, we definitely have, it's, it's more of a finesse, right? And everybody is, uh, the, the coaches are incredible. I can't say better things about our coaches. Uh, our staff is, is insane. And, and they just really, they help us out. They're able, you feel like they're approachable. I think that's the biggest thing, right? That you're like, hey coach, um, I really want to work on this. What do you think I need to do? And I think that that's huge is being able to have the, that open dialogue and, and really to improve individually for the whole. Where did they come from? Where, the, where did the coaches come from? Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. But like from the college ranks, from the pro ranks, from the... Yeah, college. Yep, yep. So they've been coaching in college. And how, how, do, you, how do you guys get connected? with a coach did you have to because this is you were I mean this is the first time really being under the the Paralympic umbrella right so so you were on your own I mean this sounds like bake sales and car washes and that kind of thing to get to the competition how were you able to recruit coaches as well five years ago is when we got under the USA hockey umbrella so that was really our, um, if you want to kind of say like 1A was under the hockey, USA Hockey Umbrella, 1B was being able to have this IPC sanctioned world. Because uh, being under the umbrella, as, as you know, that definitely changes things. It changes the whole infrastructure. And it honestly, like not only legitimizes it, but it, you know, we're part of USA Hockey. Like that, that's such a proud feeling. Like I love wearing this on my chest. You know, and that, don't get me wrong, totally grateful for, for the beginning and for the start, because without that private funding, without the Toms literally giving us our start that, you know, we wouldn't even be here today. So, you know, I definitely, I understand that there, because of, because of the Toms, we were able to make it to USA Hockey. And because now that we're Toms? on USA Is Hockey, that Tom Brake and Tom Kester, they were like, paramount in getting the USA hockey women's team up and running in in what respect what how did what did they do how did they do it uh they were the ones that were able to get that that private and public funding uh they were the ones that were able to get us the the camps you know once a month and for us to meet from all over the country and to, to come to come together and to play um we were able to go to Norway and Czech Republic uh, during that time period as well. So really like building that international presence. And so, you know, I, I think that COVID did kind of like bring us back a little bit, but I, you know, it's kind of two steps, two steps back, and then we, we're going to keep moving forward. What is forward? What you've, you've had the world championships. Mm -hmm. 
what what is forward will you have what kind of a season will you i mean you played the world championships during the summertime right hockey is generally a winter sport correct do do you go back into a winter cycle uh will there be you know will you be able to have a schedule is it a tournament what do you what do you look forward to because you'll i'm assuming you'll continue to play on co-ed teams as well but on the women's side what do you look forward to during the year most of us play uh on our state teams so on like a florida team for example and i'm i'm playing for tampa and then there's also league play so there's different leagues so the southeast league is what i'll also be in in this year and then for the for the usa on the women's team is we meet up once a month and we all get together in a different part of the country and and we all practice together and we'll probably i think we're looking forward to also um, potentially having a a game with canada either up there or down here um that's something that we've done before we've done done a series like that as well to get prepared and and look forward to to worlds again and they might be editing that that format um when we had worlds before we've had um before it was ipc sanctioned they were at the end of the season which is in may so nationals is in april and then we would have the worlds in may and then the tryouts in july et cetera et cetera um, this year, the the August dates worked best for the international teams, so that's why we went in that direction for the first year. Okay, which which makes perfect sense. And is it hard to maintain that that sense of camaraderie? I mean, you guys have spent twelve women in a lake house with one bathroom, but is it hard to maintain that sense of timing, that sense of continuity on the ice? when you kind of go your separate ways and then and then come back or or is it ingrained in you oh there's a group chat Chris (laughs) you know there's a group chat (laughs) so you know that's the great thing is that we're in the group chat we're all you know if it's your birthday we're saying happy birthday we're sharing our successes we're talking about our our hockey teams you know that's the really big thing is that we we stay connected and I think that that's really what's important. It, it is important because because you're fighting a battle on on a couple of different fronts right now. I mean, the battle for recognition, and then the battle for competition as well. And the first one is generally harder than the second one. But if you do the first one, you you'd really better do the second one as well. Absolutely. You, know? you got to show up to compete once you get there. What you you talked about some of the age range. What is the age range? Because you had you know, that one, do, do we call her a woman? I mean, she's on the woman's team, but she's 15. <laughs> so I don't know, are you are you yeah. a woman at 15? Or does that happen at 18? When does that happen? Or once you make the team, does it happen? Right. So um, she was 14 turning 15. So she was, uh, so that, that was like pretty much the youngest age. I mean, you can still come to the camp. We encourage people to come out and to come to the camp and to meet the other girls and women. And definitely it, we treat it, the tryout more as like a camp so that you can really come, you can, you know, see the, the level of competition for the sport to, to come out, to see what to work towards. You know, that's really one of our biggest things is that we want it to be inviting. We don't want it to be, you know, closed off or anything like that. We want people to come and, and check it out. I think that's what's really, what's really important. And we've had 
uh, yeah, so it's pretty much 14, 15 to the, the 40s right now. Um, we've even had a player when in the beginning, she was in her 60s, our, our old goalie. So yeah, it was definitely, it's definitely um, evolved. It's evolved a lot in the last eight years that I've been on the team and, and since it started. And I'm assuming that hockey is the thing that brings you together, that bridges the age gap from 15 to 60. How many, how many other things do you share in common? Movies, music, food, those kinds of things. Do you guys get along? Do you, are you sharing sharing stuff with the with the 15 year olds? Are you are you learning on what's hip and is it making you cooler <laughs> that you actually know what's hip and happening right now? Right. So, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, you're going to be in the know. Um, but you, you know what's great is that it doesn't matter what what age you are we are always able to sing in the locker room. That's like our biggest connecting factor is that once the like Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus is on or any of those, you know, uh, Bulletproof is another one that we love to sing. You know, that's, that's really where we, you know, shine. Like that's where the age doesn't matter. You know, we're all, we're all in it together. We're singing at the top of our lungs. We're having a good time. And, you know, th that's, that's the big thing. And and I think that we all are really willing to like help each other too. Like, it doesn't matter. I've helped some of the girls with their homework before, you know? And I think that that's one of the really, the big things is that you, we are all, all on a team. We're all part of a team, both on and off the ice. I think that makes sense. We actually did get a, get a message from Cody Bauman, uh, Go Bestie. Uh, ah, yay. Of, Hi, Cody. <laughs> lo, lo, lots of hearts. Aaron McKenzie Mower, uh, love you, little sis. Is that a? Oh yes, we grew up next to each other. Good to see you. <laughs> and then Bruce Bruce Albiston, uh, who with whom I had had a conversation earlier this week from Maine. Uh, so happy to see you, Monica and Nat and uh, Nadia, 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 Nadia Quimby. Nadia, Nadia, yep. Yeah, Nadia, my mom. Nadia. Yeah. Uh, Yes, is sending you hearts and a flexing bicep and a smiley face and some more hearts and a and an American nice. flag. So, so yeah, and and I think so cute. It's actually so Cody right now, but it, but I think it means cute. I think it's a. I think unless there's something that I'm just not, you know, I I don't I no. don't even I don't even <laughs> know good. some of the references to some of the songs that you're talking about. So I would not oh. do. It's the reason why I've not been invited to join the team, I'm assuming. Come on, Chris. We'll get you in on karaoke. Let's go. <laughs> get me on, yeah, you don't want to get me on karaoke. That is definitely for sure. So so let's let's get you out on uh what what are you doing off the ice physically to prepare to be run into the boards where they don't flex, to increase your speed, which is always speed. Speed is the biggest determining factor in success in sport mm -hmm. in, in the vast majority of sports, right? So, so what are you doing off the ice to make that all happen? So the biggest thing is I like to do, um, I like to vary my cardio. So not only am I going to stick and pucks and I'm going to practice, but I also like to the do stick and um, pucks. Is that what you said? Yeah. So stick and puck is kind of, it's where you go and every, you know, it's people go and they pay 10 or $20 to go on the ice with other players. And it's just, it's like a, like a recreational intramural kind of, you know, ice time. 
So they give you a nice time and you just go and, and play. Um, and if you get a couple of sled hockey players together, they're usually pretty nice. They'll give you like a quarter or a half of the half sheet. So you guys can, we can kind of do our practice, our own little practice. So like um, your skills, yeah, your that's, skills stuff kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, um, and then I also, I definitely do, I like doing boxing. That's one of the big things I do boxing. I do a hit class. Um, so this is, like, this is leading right into the goon part of your, your role. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, you know, that you gotta be ready for that full contact sport. And I think it's really important to uh, vary that cardio. Cause like I said, you need to be able to have that endurance and you need to have that sprinting. So you really need to have that, you know, the different varying, um, playing on multiple teams definitely, definitely helps for sure. Um, and yeah, and mixing it up in the gym, you got to do that weight training. You have to pick things up and put them down. And what kind of weight training specifically are you doing? Are you looking to put on some muscle? Is it explosive muscle that you're really looking to cultivate? How does that work? Explosive muscle. Absolutely. That's the number one is really being able to go from either you're getting the puck or you're stopping or you're turning and being able to just shoot right out. And that that's one of the biggest things is being able to have that, that dynamic part of being able to really drive into the ice and like move forward. Which is a big deal. And we, we got a, we got Diane S. Bryan who said, go Monica, love you. And, and I totally, I have to back up because, because I totally misread. It was, Sue Cote, who, or Cody, who, uh, who said, awesome, Monica, but, and I, I misread that. So Sue, I am very sorry. I can't read apparently. Uh, but anyway, all good. All good. Well, this is, uh, this is when will people be able to see you? Where will they be able to see you? How can they get to a game? Yeah. So we definitely, um, will be, you know, again, we'll be in worlds and a lot of the different rinks have live barn, they have live streaming. So that's usually how we end up sharing it is depending on what the rink has and, and also what the coverage is. That's what we usually are, are sharing between hockey TV, live barn. There are different streaming platforms and services at the rinks themselves. And so are you sharing this on your social media platforms to alert your audience as to where they can see you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and making sure to, to put all the, the times and the dates and all of that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's really exciting. And if you can get to a game, it's fantastic. It's really, it's worth watching. Is there anywhere, is there anything you're targeting this year that, you're, that you'd want to say to people, if you get a chance, get to this game? Is it the one with Canada or what would be Always. the one that you'd say? Yeah, Team USA versus Canada. I mean, when Anybody in the hockey world knows that that's the, the biggest rivalry. It doesn't matter if you're on the women's or the men's team, you're playing upright or sled. That's the game you want to watch. That's always, always the best rivalry. And do you know where that game will be? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. There's <laughs> always a teaser, isn't there? Okay. You got to. <laughs> well, this is good. Any, anything else you want to, you want to tell, tell your, your public? I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to come on, Chris. This has been fantastic. And really not only sharing the love of the sport and the game and really 
getting the word out there. That's, that's what's really important. And to try all those adaptive sports, as, as you know, I mean, it's, it's just changed my life. And it definitely, it's helped me become a better leader. It's helped me become better at work. It's helped me become better for family and friends, my community. So definitely think about getting those adaptive sports, either competitively or even recreationally, because it's fun, you know, getting outside is fun. Well, it's fun and it leads to your fitness and makes your everyday life a little bit easier too, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it even helps with transfers. It helps with with everything. So it's really, it really is important to, um, to stay active, especially when we have spinal cord injuries, because we're, you know, uh, sitting all day, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta make sure that we're moving, you know, we gotta make sure that we're, we're staying in shape. Make sure that, yeah, I, I feel like we don't have the luxury of really getting out of shape because we have to, we have to lift ourselves with our arms. So that gets to be a whole lot harder when that uh, strength to weight ratio goes in the wrong direction. So let's let's try to keep it going in the right direction. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good luck both with the, you know, with the with the battle to to get into the Paralympics and and to be on top of your game as far as competition. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. And good luck. And thank you to all of you. We really appreciate you tuning in. The greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Tell your friends to tune in. Tell them that this was a great, a great podcast that you watched. We'll have another great one next week. It will be a traditional podcast. So keep your eyes out for the Name Tags Chat podcast. And we will look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you all. Take care. <laughs>